This is episode 208 of the Empowered Team Podcast. Welcome to the Empowered Team Podcast, where we explore how to optimize your performance in career, sport, and life. And now your host, executive coach and life strategist, Kari Schneider. Welcome, welcome, Ben Lee, to the Empowered Team podcast, and it used to be formerly the Empowered Athlete podcast, and uh, we today are so lucky to have Ben Lee here, founder, CEO of 4BPM, and Ben is in the process of delivering incredible health services via blood tests, hormone therapies, different things that can optimize performance, especially in this day and age where a lot of people might feel like they're burning themselves out or they just can't put their finger on what the problem is. So welcome, Ben. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Kari. Yeah, no problem. And we have a few things in common in in a number of friends that we have in common. And we also have the utmost respect for Tony Robbins. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. I literally live right across the water from him, so I, I basically almost almost see his house. And I've been going to him since two thousand five. Very so cool. Fifteen years. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow, that's uh, that's you know, you look back and you're like, how did the decades get away? All of a sudden, you're looking at going. That's almost you're almost yeah. looking at twenty years, right? So yeah, very crazy. cool. Yeah. So you, you are in this business that, um, that really serves to help people feel their best. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. What I like to say is, you know, our mission is to help people discover their cheat code to live their best life because people understand that and whatever that looks like for you, whether it's building muscle, burning fat, having more energy, uh, sleeping better or, you know, looking, feeling younger, or even just bringing the best version of yourself uh, to your mission every single day. Uh, You know, we help people do that by just asking the body a series of questions uh, through blood testing, genetic testing, and metabolomics, which is urine tests. Uh, Because your body's infinitely intelligent, as long as you understand which questions to ask it and how to interpret the information that it provides back, uh, we create, you know, highly customized protocols where we don't have to stab in the dark. You know, there's no guessing. Uh, Your body's going to tell me. So it's all about just providing the body with the raw materials that it needs in the proper amounts to operate at its absolute peak. Very cool. Now you said you do blood and you do urine and And, and genetics too. And genetic testing. So like Mm -hmm. a a DNA kind of profiling. Now the DNA that's going to be, you know, their genetic makeup, the blood and the urine do you have to do multiple tests to see if something's different from say a time of day or one day to another day, or is it enough for you to just kind of grab the one test? And is that going to give you enough information for what you need? Well, it depends on the individual because again, we do customize uh, each protocol. Some people come you know, specifically to us uh, for, let's say, you know, the methylation piece, which is, which is genetic. And, you know, methylation is probably one of the most important processes in the body that no one's ever heard about. And it's responsible for everything from neurological function, cardiovascular function, immune function, detoxification, 
DNA and RNA synthesis, uh, the production and metabolism of uh, your neurotransmitters, production of hormones, creatine to allow your muscles to contract, uh, even energy production and fat metabolism. And, you know, if you have poor methylation, you know, it manifests itself as ADHD, OCD, anxiety, uh, depression, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, gut issues, certain cancers, heart disease, fibromyalgia. I mean, the list goes on. I could, that's only half. I mean, the, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, the, the typical traditional allopathic disciplines, you know, what do they do? They typically prescribe a pill for every one of those ills. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, for ADHD alone, they have five, right? It's Adderall, Stratera, Ritalin, Vyvanse, Quibble. Uh, for depression, I mean, geez, there's not even a quarter of them. Cymbalta, Paxil, Prozac, uh, Wellbutrin, Abilify, Lexapro. And that's yeah. not even, I think there's like 30 of them now. The, the pharmaceuticals will go on and on. For, for, our, for our listeners, so most people, I don't think, will have heard of methylation. Can you tell us a little bit more about this kind of, is it a genetic test? Tell us more about what this methylation is. Sure. So methylation is, I'm going to try to you know, keep this as simple as possible. It is your body's ability or inability to convert or activate certain uh, compounds in your own body uh, into usable forms. Uh, so if you think about like a conveyor belt, right? A conveyor belt that has widgets. You know, if you have full, let's say, capacity to methylate, right? There's an arm to pull over every single part, every single widget to the next part of the process. So nothing's falling on the ground. Everything's 100% efficient. All the other subsequent processes are getting the raw materials that they need to operate properly. And you know, sometimes you know, we have uh, what we call the genetic mutation, uh, where it actually reduces our capacity to methylate. And you know, there's two different types where you know, one is about a 40% capacity to methylate. So let's say for every one that gets pulled over, one falls on the ground. For one that gets pulled over, one falls on the ground. So obviously not as good as, you know, the full capacity to methylate. Um, and then the worst one is where you have none whatsoever. So everything literally just falls on the ground. And if you can visualize all of the subsequent processes, none of those processes are getting the raw materials that they so, need. So just to, and now I'm just speculating here. So it sounds like this methylation would be this combination of you know, neurotransmitters and hormones and receptors, like the catalysts that keep things going. And then, so this methylation is just whether the things are doing what they're supposed to do when to create the outcome that would create, that would mean our body is functioning optimally. Correct. Is that kind of just dumb it down right, right down there? Yeah, absolutely. And the great thing is that it's genetic in a sense that it won't change. Yeah. And it's luckily what we call an actionable gene. You know, so for example, you know, if you have blue eyes, you can't change that permanently, you know, unless you, you know, contacts don't really count. Or, uh, you know, if you, you know, get that crazy uh, injection in your eye, right? Obviously, yeah, yeah. no one wants to do that. Or your hair. Right? And, and so I, I, was it you that called me out of this? It was, it was like, your hair doesn't change well, unless it turns gray, right? But, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so to that point, though, um, if when we consider a lot of the things that are causing the problems in these systems. So if someone's not able to, I don't know if I can use it as a verb, methylate the way yeah, they, yeah. okay, as a verb, methylate the way they would optimally. What, what are you seeing? Cause you've got experience seeing, you know, you see a person come in, 
You might've profiled them. I'm just guessing here. You might've profiled them. They've got some habits. They've got some, some, you can see their profile. You can see their blood. You can see some weight issues. You can see some blood pressure. You know, some things that are causing those. What do you think would be say the top three things that are contributing to this dysfunction in their genetic code that's, that's malleable? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, not understanding which specific compounds that you can't methylate, for example. So one of them is specifically folic acid. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of misinformation about folic acid. A lot of people use the word folic acid and folate interchangeably, mm -hmm. but there is a difference. Folic acid is synthetic. It's man-made. Yeah. Where, whereas folate is either naturally occurring or the activated form of folic acid. And there are a lot of people that can't actually methylate or, you know, utilize folic acid. And, you know, you hear all the stories out there about women, especially uh, that go through pregnancy, they have, you know, huge emotional outbursts. Uh, they, you know, have postpartum depression. And, you know, one of the hypotheses that we have is, you know, in prenatals, you know, they have sometimes two, three, 400 times, you know, the recommended amount of folic acid, uh, you know, the synthetic form, you know, yeah. in their formulations. And if let's say you have the complete inability to convert, what you're doing is you're literally oversaturating your body with something that you can't even utilize. You know, you and know, on that specific point, I'm just going to dive, just to ask a couple of questions on that specific point. At one point I talked to a friend who um, was a, a well-educated naturopath. And on that topic alone, she had said that over 50 people, 50% 50 of people simply cannot process the folic acid. And it's, it's so prevalent that in the UK overseas, they don't allow supplements to be given with folic acid in it. Is that, is that the case still? Yeah, and it depends on the specific background of the individual. There are percentages uh, and, you know, it depends on Obviously, you know, if it's uh, of your European descent, uh, African descent, you know, or you know, Asian descent, uh, you know, there are different percentages with regards to people that typically have that you know, particular mutation. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you speak about, you know, things in, let's say, Europe versus here, you know, there's things that are allowed in our food system and in our food sources, you know, in the United States, it's in, even in Canada that, that are different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting where I, I get this sometimes where you know, we do the diagnostics and, you know, we provide them the protocol and they're like, oh, you know what? I think we're just going to try to eat better and, you know, do some things better and see if we can move, you know, the, the needle, you know, on, you know, on our biomarkers. And, you know, unfortunately in the United States, our food supply is just really terrible. You know, we yeah. basically watered it down to where there aren't, you know, there aren't, you know, nutrient rich anymore. Yeah. So, you know, we're having to supplement with, you know, with other supplements, vitamins, minerals, because we just can't get the required amount of you know, nutrition out of our food sources. So between a depleted topsoil, between mass farming, between just um, modified foods that may not be the way they used to be, or they're, or they're made, they're being modified to grow from mass instead of quality or density. So, so there's, you're pointing to a number of things that are there systemically. So it sounds to me like, you know, you might have a person or two or, or maybe many people who decide, okay, I'm gonna make these changes now that I have this information. And sometimes it's just not enough 
for what they want, for the kind of feeling or life or performance that they want, because when they go to make those changes, they just don't have access to amazing high nutrient and vitamin, mineral, micronutrient dense foods. So um, now in your opinion, I'm in a situation where right now I'm in a remote place in Canada just for the season, for this summer. And in, I've been fortunate enough to be eating a bunch of foods from someone's hydroponic farm that's next door and a number of foods from uh, a family member's garden that have been, that's been growing all summer in an area that's very remote. So there's no, you know, there's no pesticides, there's no neighbors, there's no, you know, it's, it's in the remote forest kind of thing. So I'm lucky enough to be able to have access to these beans and peas and zucchinis and tomatoes and cucumbers and wild blueberries from the North, you know, so I have all these things coming in, but when you think about it, that's not normal for the average person in Canada, the US, Europe, wherever, that's just not normal. So if someone didn't go the route of, because uh, I still have people, even if I tell them what the lay of the land is now, and I'm asking them to supplement because they are not gonna get the variety based on mm -hmm. what the needs are, and they're not gonna have the sources. But if someone still says, you know, I don't wanna supplement, I want my food to be the the be all end all my food is the only way i'm going to get my nutrients what would you recommend to them are they to go to an organic market every week are they to you know obviously i think most of us know to look for whole foods but it, you know what what else would you say if if something different than that yeah i mean other than you know just trying to find organic uh, sources of foods trying to get a variety of obviously different colors you know, trying to just keep the, you know, the, the sources as varied as possible. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. And that's the thing. Usually if you find people who are willing to get in the routines of if they're exercising regularly and they're eating well regularly, they're typically routine based. So mm -hmm. you're going to see a lot of the same breakfasts, same right. lunches, same dinners, right. or a rotation of three or four of the similar things. So there's not that massive variety. And that's, that's the other problem I see come in, in this, you know, first world problem of, of not getting the nutrients that, that people ideally want for their best performance physically and mentally in, in what they want to do. Right. Because we're all looking for convenience and obviously yeah. I'm extremely guilty of that. I remember this is about maybe like 15 years ago, I was introduced to a nutritionist and, you know, she got me hooked on raw foods. Mm -hmm. uh, dehydrating and I remember you know I, I, I kind of literally dove in you know you know head first so to speak bought a dehydrator uh, <laughs> sprouted some grains and whatnot and then I realized how you know just inefficient it was it took me a week to sprout the grains and you know create the bread get you know like do like a uh, an avocado spread and whatnot and I literally ate it in like a minute for all the, for that I was like okay this isn't gonna work and I was like, yeah. it tasted good, but I was like, okay, yeah, that this is just too much time, right? Yeah, and yeah. Unfortunately, we just, you know, we, we just can't, uh, you know, create, uh, you know, something that's, you know, super simplified and efficient, yeah. where you know we can really get, you know, nutrient dense foods, uh, you know, obviously a diverse, uh, you know, group of them, 
you know, easily. So yeah, it, it is difficult. And, and I don't want to spend too much time on the nutrition aspect, but I do, I do want to say that the other thing too, that people don't realize is that even if they are getting a nutrient profile, uh, panel or testing of some sort, they're often falling within normal without right. realizing that it's not the best for what they could potentially be feeling or performing or uh, the best for their optimal health. It's just within normal. And I say that because we, uh, so for a number of years, I worked with Hockey Canada leading the women's national hockey team in strengthening or helping them with strength and conditioning uh, going into Sochi in 2014. And, you know, these are high level athletes who are inside most of the time for most of the year. And so very low G3 levels. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing was, is that if any one of them went to, to their physician, they would typically be within normal, but it wasn't optimal for the kind of performance and demand physically that they needed. So you know, those are some of the things that I try to tell regular clients that, oh, you know, I think my D, my D levels are normal. Well, if you live in Canada or in the Northern Hemisphere, they're just not, because you're not getting out, outdoors 30 minutes a day at least, and right. it's, you know, or within the right time frame. And most people just don't know that. And that's one of the top five most efficacious supplements that there are. And, Absolutely. and yet a lot of people just don't know that. Um, so what they think is within normal or what their physician, especially a general practitioner who's dealing with the masses, they're not going to even mention it if they're not showing some real problems of, of um, low vitamin D or, but so, so those types of things I think are, are falling below the radar for a lot of people and that they figure they're normal, they figure they're fine and they're being compared to what now normal is, massively unhealthy with, you know, over 50% of the U S being obese now. So if we're speaking to a population who wants their best health, then we're speaking to people who are now in the, you know, they might be in the single percentage, exactly single digits, you know, 5%. And, and so if that's the case, then, you know, you're really narrowing, at least it narrows your market. But for those who are looking to get healthy and maybe they're ready to make these changes, sometimes you've got tools like hormonal tools that can help them round that corner. When you see things that are just glaringly off, clearly they're, I mean, I'm going to guess here. You're probably going to know that sleep, nutrition, exercise are the big three. Would, would you, would you agree with that? Or, or is there something new? Yeah, yeah, sleep, yeah. Cause obviously, you know, with sleep, it's extremely important to recover. You know, if it doesn't matter how hard you go, you know, in the gym, you, you don't build muscle there. Yeah. You build muscle, you know, when you, when you rest, you tear your muscles, you know, when, when you're working out, but you know, the, you know, the hyperplasia, you know, the, you know, that's when, you know, you're actually building muscle when you're sleeping, same thing, you know, with your memories, right. You, you can't actually lock in long-term memories until you sleep. And that's the one thing a lot of people just really don't get high quality sleep. And, you know, I have a lot of people, you know, that, that come to me, you know, specifically for sleep. And I'll be completely honest with them. It's one of the hardest things to figure out because again, there's so many variables that yeah. come into play with sleep. It could be hormones, you know, yeah. it could be you know, a lack of, let's say, progesterone. It could be that you don't have enough, let's say, testosterone to signal your bone marrow to create more red blood cells and hemoglobin. 
so you can't carry oxygen. And if you can't carry oxygen, you're going to be tired, especially when you're trying to sleep, you can't carry enough oxygen. So you become hypoxic, right? So then you're not getting enough oxygen to really recover well. Uh, it could be because your bed sucks. You haven't flipped in a while. It could be because, you know, your uh, significant other wants it too hot or too cold. Uh, it could be, you know, an actual physical issue where, you know, you actually, you, know, you have like sleep apnea, you know, physically, um, or it could be actually a methylation issue. You know, one of the things that occurred to me was I have a particular break where if I inject cyanocobalamin, which is a form of B12, I literally have racing thoughts where I can't go to sleep. doesn't matter how physically or mentally exhausted I am. My mind will race a million miles a minute and I cannot turn it off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it could be, you know, a whole host of reasons. And, you know, that's why we have to be, you know, really uh, diligent in basically just crossing things off the list. So is it, do you find that with your clients, especially if it's a, a hormone or a supplement uh, prescription or suggestion, do you find that you are trial and error going through a trial and error with them a lot, <laughs> try something and then go, okay, well, th this is, this is feeling better. Like, is it like that? Or is it, it's feeling better and here are my blood markers now? Like, what is, what does that look like? That, that, that's a funny question. Uh, and again, uh, you know, I'm going to bring this up as kind of a joke, but it's kind of, you know, it's actually kind of the truth. So, you know, the, the meme, it's like, okay, how do you turn a man on versus how do you turn a woman on? You know, a man, it's like a light switch. Women, it's like a hundred different knobs and dials. Yeah. It's like the exact same thing with their hormones. Yeah. So if you give a, a male who has low testosterone, testosterone, they're going to feel better almost hundred percent on off switch women on the other hand, you know, because Again, they're dealing with so many different hormones. I mean, you're dealing with luteinizing hormone, follicle stimulating hormone, estradiol, estriol, progesterone, and a lot of the times when you're looking at you know women, their their hormones, you actually have to by process of elimination figure out where they are in their menstrual cycle or if they're postmenopausal. Mm -hmm. And there's some women where it doesn't all line up in the same phase. Mm -hmm. So you know their you know their their hormones are completely you know out of whack, and you know we see a lot of women have, you know, let's say issues, but you know, what we call estrogen dominance, where they have a hundred times more estrogen than progesterone. And, you know, they'll work out five, six days a week. They'll be on a diet and it doesn't matter what they do. Like they literally will not be able to lose the weight around, you know, their belly mm -hmm. until you're able to fix that hormonal, hormonal issue. And when you say fix that, that like, what, 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 what might that look like for someone who's got a lot of estrogen and is doing all the right things and she's not losing it around her belly. And what would, what might that look like for them trying to fix it? What might be some two or three top approaches you would use? Sure. So one of the things that what works extremely, extremely well is, you know, we'll take a, you know, a, a woman's blood labs. You know, so it'll actually measure, you know, those hormones I just mentioned, and then we'll also provide them with a symptom sheet, you know, so their symptomology could be anything from, crying easily, uh, weight gain, uh, insomnia, uh, you know, uh, tiredness, fatigue, you know, there's some other ones, obviously, you know, that, that are very female related. And on a scale of zero to 10, zero not being an issue, 10 being a major issue, uh, you know, we provide that to one of our master pharmacists who's been doing this for about three decades. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we create a highly customized, uh, you know, hormone replacement therapy protocol, uh, you know, for, you know, for our female patients. You know, so we can look at anything from, let's say, you know, one hormone to six, and it could also include thyroid hormones too, depending on, you know, what their labs tell us. So, you know, it, um, you know, the tablet, which is really, really super simple. 
uh, to take. It's just typically one in the morning, one in the evening. You know, so, you know, it's much easier than having to, you know, do injectables. And, you know, I know there's other so did delivery you systems, you know, such as like creams and, and whatnot. So uh, that we don't really like as much because, again, uh, there's so much variability in the absorption rates of, of creams or pellets. Oh, and pellets. Ooh, I, I, I'm not a fan of pellets either. Okay. Because so every... Go ahead. You're not a, so what was the first thing you said it was oral you are a fan of? Uh, so yeah, oral, orals are, are, are better. <laughs> yeah, or, orals are better because <laughs> uh, with, with any type of subdermal or uh, I'm sorry, transdermal, especially if, you know, if it's a cream of some sort, you really don't know, you know, what the consistency of the absorption rate is. So you know, if you, if somebody you know, put it on your, you know, let's say your, you know, your underarms versus your arm, you know, versus like your arm versus your legs or whatever it may be, uh, you know, there's obviously different um, thicknesses of the skin, different areas. And then the pellets, oh man, uh, I see this all the time where women have four to five times more than where they should be in their clinical reference range. So it's just released too much too fast. Yeah. And things grow that aren't supposed to grow. Not nice. So I've yeah. now I, I just want to anyone who's listening to the podcast maybe earmuffs for the little ones for a second. Um, <laughs> a, I've heard of women using a cream to just kind of help more for an acute arousal on the nether regions mm -hmm. in order for just to help them if they're postmenopausal. Is that something that the creams would would be appropriate for versus changing a whole overall health profile? Um, honestly, I, I don't have too much experience with that, you know, to be completely honest. So I, I don't have any personal experience from it. So I, I yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> okay, I've, I've heard it though. I've heard of a few. Yeah. So on so I'm going to, I'm going to actually tell you something I do have experience with that is more personal for my end. Cause some women may be in this boat, uh, like me. And then I'm going to ask a couple male questions. Cause I got a number of questions from men, uh, on this topic as well. Um, but for me personally, um, I've gone through menopause and in doing that and, and genetically, most of the women in my, my maternal side of my family are, uh, went through menopause fairly early, but still within the normal range. So around that 47 year old kind of range. And, um, but when I went through menopause, when this was going on, it was right in COVID and, uh, and I had the full on wide awake at 2 a.m. Like I could have run a marathon or built a business or done any of the <laughs> high demand things at that time. And it was just almost this extreme agitation and massive hot flashes. And, um, and then just that, that anxiety or agitation that I wouldn't ordinarily have. So just feeling all these things were going on. And I also had clients, friends, other women that had reported, well, you know, you, you should really do some estrogen supplementing. Now there's two reasons why I was a hard no on that. Now, number one was that I wanted, I figured that I am one of the healthiest people that I know in terms of top 1% in, in terms of fitness, strength, overall health, so I thought to myself in the back of my mind, I just want to give my body a chance to figure this out before I do something else. And it, you know, I, when I say a chance, I wanted to give it like a good six to eight months, even though it might've sucked at the time, that was kind of the rationale. But the second major thing was that a maternal aunt 
has a genetic, uh, a gene marker that is such a high cancer risk. Mm -hmm. um, If they have this gene, that means that they should get a mastectomy. They will likely get a hysterectomy as preventative measures. And they'll still have to do constant liver monitoring because it's over an 86% chance that they will get certain types of cancers. So my aunt, my maternal aunt has, has this gene it's confirmed. And so right around that same time, I was waiting to find out whether my mother had the gene, which would put me in the, in the mix and my daughter's in the mix for having that gene. So I wasn't going to touch any uh, estrogen supplementation at that time because of that genetic factor. I was waiting out to see whether I had potential to have this gene. So I had two major reasons, but ultimately as I found out a, I, my mother doesn't have the gene, which brings it so that I wouldn't have the gene and my daughters wouldn't have the gene. So my mother doesn't have the gene. So that was awesome. But B, as I gave it the time, then everything stabilized. And apparently, um, what's her name? I think it's Dr. Lisa. She does research on women's brains and and hormones. But she apparently the research says that the brains eventually adapt in going through the hormone change. So, so I waited it out, and and eventually the hot flashes decreased, subsided or disappeared. I could sleep normally again. I wasn't going through the insane changes in energy or agitation or things like that. And everything just kind of adapted. And now I was living kind of normal life like I used to without a menstrual cycle, which is like, okay, this is kind of awesome. Um, Made it through shining colors. So I really wouldn't have a, a reason to, however, there's a number of people that I knew who would be going through the exact same thing and wouldn't have the no as hard as my nose were to try mm-hmm. something else. And so, because it, they weren't getting the sleep, they were losing their mind. They might have kids or family demands or work demands. And they're like, give me some estrogen away we go. What are your thoughts on that kind of overall story? Is there, do you, do you, would you have suggestions for people in different situations? Do you try to give a timeline, especially if they're beginning of menopause or, or is it like, okay, try this right now? Or what's the, how, what, what kind of approach do you take overall? Honestly, it's, it's a case by case basis because everyone is, is so different. And as I mentioned before, you know, women are a hundred different knobs and dials. Her experience going through perimenopause into menopause is different from uh, you know a, a lot of women. There are some similarities, but it's you know it's never going to be one hundred percent the same. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know when when it comes to that, you know we really have to you know, really just you know unique in, in each in each protocol because, like you said, there are some people that have let's say a genetic predisposition to cancers, right? Mm-hmm. So you know you can't touch you know the estrogens at all. Uh, you know, you know if they have let's say you know, high, you know, uh, prostate specific antigen, or, you know, if cancer is a, you know, in, in the familial history, that's going to be an issue as well. So, you know, we really have to address each individual based on their own case, because, you know, even if you have, let's say the gene, and let's say you have a sister that doesn't have the gene. So then just because, you know, you have, you know, basically most of the same, you know, DNA, but it's still going to be different in that sense, because, you know, let's say, you know, your mother was carrier, give it to you, but didn't give it to your sister. So, 
uh, exactly like how your your mother and and her her sister are. Yeah. Yeah, and and to that point, it's it's very refreshing to hear that from you as as in the case by case individual by individual because so many people are trying to jump on whether it's a hormone program or a diet or an exercise program that worked for so and so but aren't aren't testing or experimenting with themselves to figure themselves out. They're trying to grab what worked for so-and-so, apply it to themselves. And it might feel great for a week, six weeks, something, but then it's just either not sustainable or doesn't work long-term because they haven't tried to figure the things out for their own, their own body. The Zenith is back. The most amazing retreat that really dives in to getting you to your next level physically, mentally, spiritually. We have leased out a five acre oceanfront gorgeous spot in Sayulita, Mexico, and it is time for you to dive in and change your life. And I don't mean there's anything wrong with your life, I mean up level, expand. Make it what you really want. The Zenith is coming. End of February this year. We'll tell you more. We just want you to know ahead of time. Save the dates. Yeah, so it, it, uh, I, I imagine it can be very frustrating for people when they're just trying to slap and try something. Slap something on and it's not working. So yeah. when it comes to men, the, the light switch, you mentioned testosterone, and I know that for men who specifically are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they're starting to feel the effects of just their testosterone slowly decreasing due to age, and maybe they're not as active as they used to be. Maybe they don't eat as well as they used to, or maybe they're just, you know, they're not paying attention to it as much, but they're feeling those effects. Um, it's usually energy. It's usually a few different things, but what are your thoughts on, you know, is, do you think, do you think that some men will never need to supplement with testosterone? Do you think that all men should do? I don't want to blanket statement it. I know it is individual, but what are you seeing at this point with, with people that you work with in, in their needs or what's, what's happening for men and their supplementation hormonally? Sure. So uh, we actually let their body determine that because uh, everyone's a little bit different, you know, in the sense that, you know, your body may be, let's say your pituitary gland. You know, and again, uh, we utilize luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone as well uh, to signal the testes to create our own natural testosterone and spermogenesis. But sometimes your body is signaling, you know, your, your testes to create it, but it's not coming out. Right. So those people, have to go, you know, to testosterone replacement therapy if they want the benefits, obviously, of having testosterone. Whereas some other people, their signals are a little bit lower with regards to the LH and FSH. So we can actually help boost their signal and then help to basically just support, you know, their own natural testosterone production. So re really their body's going to determine which way we go. And obviously there are some people that are kind of, let's say in that gray area, uh, obviously with the um, Men, in, you know, let's say before 35, we try to err towards, you know, having their own body produce it. Uh, and, you know, people like around 35 to let's say 45 are kind of in that gray area. You know, they kind of have a decision to make, so to speak. Uh, you know, once you start taking testosterone, you're going to have to be on it if you want to obviously, uh, you know, maintain those benefits. 
So, you know, it, it's kind of a personal choice, you know, in, in a sense, but, you know, we'll obviously provide them with, you know, with the specific recommendations. Hey, you know, you should probably go this way because of, you know, A, B, and C, or, you know, go this way because of, you know, D, E, and F. Um, you know, in, I want to distinguish for people too, because there's, there's a lot of, sometimes people will think of taking testosterone or growth hormone or something like that. And automatically they think of, of steroids and banned substances. And, and I come from a background where we had to avoid anything like that at all costs, because it simply meant being banned from the Olympics or the whole team being banned if one person tested positive for something. But in, in these situations, what we're talking about and correct me if I'm wrong here, is, is basically micro supplementing. It's, it's these small, small amounts based on what that person might benefit from. Is that, is that correct? Right. All we're trying to do is to get them to the optimal range. Okay. When you're talking about, let's say bodybuilders or actual steroids, you know, they're taking sometimes 10 to 25 times as much as yeah. you know, what we do in a week. Uh, you know, during that same time frame, and you know they're doing cocktails of multiple types of anabolics. You know, so it, you know it, it, it's it's much different in that sense. You know, we're just looking to replace what the body already had at one point in time, and then you know, in doing so, you're going to feel like you did when you had those levels. You know, it's it's not rocket science, but it's just a different you know mindset because you know we mentioned before with regards to you know, people going to their physicians and it, it's interesting. I hear this story all the time. You know, they go to their doctor because something is off, right? Where they don't feel great. You know, they're not sleeping well, they don't have energy or whatever it may be. And, you know, the doctor runs tests. So, you know, after running tests, they go back and then the doctor says, you're fine. It's like, no, 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 but I feel like crap. No, 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 you're fine. And, you know, it's just that back and forth of, they just try to fix issues. And the reference range for laboratories differ. So LabCorp is different from Quest, it's different from other ones. Yeah. So that reference range is literally just, you know, whatever the majority of that uh, patient population is. Right. So I can actually, you know, tell, you know, obviously, you know, we work with LabCorp and I you know, obviously I memorize most of their, their reference ranges. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's completely different. And when you're talking about athletes, right, they're already the top one of 1%. So their optimal range is significantly different than obviously the, the majority of the population. And, you know, and I, have, I have four physicians in my family, all right? So, you know, I, I'm kind of the black sheep of the family. You know, I went <laughs> the other way. And, you know, they're, they're great for, you know, whatever it is, like acute care, uh, you know, if it's like, let's say cancers, you know, actually my mother just said was diagnosed with cancer last year. Uh, with endometrial cancer and literally within a few months, you know, surgery, irradiation, everything, right. And it reduced the uh, probability of, um, of relapse to like single digits, right. So that's, what's amazing. But when it comes to chronic issues, you know, that's where, you know, they have uh, a major issue because with the traditional allopathic disciplines, you know, all they do is diagnose symptomology and then they treat the symptomology instead of actually looking at root cause what's causing the symptomology. So, you know, that, that's the major disconnect, you know, in, you know, the quote unquote healthcare, uh, you know, just equation, because if you are just treating symptomology, then you're stuck for a protocol that they give you or pharmaceutical that they give you forever until you actually fix the root cause. So, you know, it's all just about allowing your body to heal itself. 
just give it what it needs and it makes it super simple. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it is incredibly remarkable what the body can actually do. Do I mean, this could be a whole rabbit hole in and of itself. We don't want to go down, but um, why aren't things like that standardized? Because the lay person, the person who's the patient, if they've got some numbers, they're going to think that normal means normal somewhere else and somewhere else or optimal means optimal. Why isn't that standardized? Well, I, that's a great question. I, I don't know why it's not standardized. And, you know, I think the reason why is because uh, they believe that, you know, based on geographical location, you know, in, in that population, you know, you're going to have certain, um, let, let's say, nuances with regards to health. Yep. Right. So when you talk about, like, say, the, the blue or the Mediterranean diet, that's going to be a little bit different versus, let's say, Nebraska. Yep. Right. So, you know, they, they utilize, uh, you know, more of a geographical approach there. Um, versus background versus there's so many other gender there's just so many other confounders too but um and that's the thing you'd think that there were standards because because these are pretty apparent differences between humans gender age ethnicity um even you know you live in certain areas you've got different minerals in the soil so but you'd think that just the main ones gender age ethnicity that there would be some optimal standards for those categories, but you know who I'm just I'm just voicing the the ideals, right? But so if someone now back to the testosterone, if um, and th- this was you know I, I knew some people a long time ago who would would, uh, would take steroids, would take growth hormone, would take testosterone, and one person I knew in particular. Um, he did it for so long and so much that eventually his testes were just not doing what they were supposed to do. And eventually he ended up going to the hospital because they were just shrinking away kind of thing. So, and I don't say that for a shock factor. I say that because ultimately the big drawback is that if there was to your point, when someone's taking steroids, they're, they're supplementing maybe 50 times or 20 times or whatever, what, what you are talking about here. So it's a different ball game, but that one factor of if there's something else stimulating the production, or if the testosterone is being replaced, then does that not hamper that individual's ability to produce it themselves? No, absolutely. Yeah, anytime you introduce exogenous or outside testosterone, you know, your body uh, recognizes it and it's a negative feedback loop. So what that means is if it recognizes testosterone is there, it'll say, okay, well, I don't need any more and shut off its own natural production. And, you know, for people that are on it for, for long periods of time, especially when they abuse it to, you know, the, let's say the bodybuilder level, uh, then it might be more difficult to basically re-engage or restart their own natural testosterone production. So one of the worst things you could do is go on, let's say, testosterone replacement therapy and just go cold turkey. That's one of the worst things you can do. Okay. You know, there's what we call post-cycle therapy, where you can at least, you know, re-engage whatever you had left, so to speak. And it's not as much of a crash because, you know, you know I've I've been using, you know, testosterone for, for almost a decade, actually. How old and are you? I'm 42. 42. Yeah. yeah and... I remember when I wasn't as consistent with it, I, I think I went like three weeks 
you know, without a shot. And I remember just sitting down and I, I was like, kind of like moping around, kind of depressed. And then I was like, I'm like, oh, it's, I just felt off. And I was like, oh, what's wrong? And then uh, just like, oh, I hadn't taken a shot. So I literally took a shot and then, you know, then I felt better like immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, but it does really, you know, give you that, you know, general sense of well-being, which is, you know, which is great. And uh, it does give you confidence in a sense. Uh, but if you just completely go cold turkey, yeah, that's one of the worst things you can do. And if you were to, on both sides, what would be the drawbacks of continuing to supplement with testosterone for the, and I'm assuming, you know, you know, your, your numbers, you know, how much you would want to supplement with, but what would be the drawbacks of continuing to supplement for the rest of your life? And what would be the drawbacks of not supplementing for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of people say, oh, you know, it increases, let's say, heart attack and stroke risk, right, for, with testosterone. Well, the reason why that occurs is because as your testosterone levels rise, it actually signals your bone marrow to create more red blood cells and hemoglobin, which in turn, you know, gives you more energy, gives you more oxygen carrying capacity, which is great. But, you know, the, the downside of that is it increases your hematocrit, which is the viscosity of your blood. And the more viscous your blood gets, you know, the more it gets more like motor oil. Mm -hmm. And you know, because your heart has to pump that through your cardiovascular system, that's what increases, you know, your cardiovascular risk. So as long as you, you know, keep that, you know, in check, you know, where you donate blood every once in a while. And again, everyone's going to be a little bit different where I you know I have some, you know, some men that are genetically predisposed to very, very thick blood. They have to do it like almost every month where others may have to do it every quarter, every four months, every six months, or maybe once a year. So, you know, every, everyone's going to be a little bit different there. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, you know, that, that's really, you know, the, the main risk, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, as long as you're not abusing it, you know, you're just optimizing your levels, you know, then you know, they really haven't been able to, to show that there you know, are any, uh, you know, deleterious effects other than obviously, you know, PSA. So, you know, uh, your, your testosterone levels, if they increase, can increase your uh, prostate specific antigen. You know, it can, you know, fuel cancers, you know, in that sense. But as long as you're, you know, constantly, you know, measuring that and, you know, staying on top of it and, you know, be obviously being smart with it, then, yeah, you know, it's, it's really not, uh, it's really not that big of a deal, you know, if you do it, you know, long term, you know, you just feel better. And, you know, versus, you know, if you want to kind of live the rest of your life with, you know, fatigue, brain fog, uh, low libido, uh, the inability to, you know, to really build muscle, burn fat, and, you know, just kind of lose that drive, you know, because, you know, that, that's kind of what drives us as men, that testosterone. Yeah, very much so. And, and then at the same time, having a, because women often don't realize they have testosterone too. And, and that's, but they're not often looking to supplement with testosterone because they may not need that. They're usually looking to supplement with estrogen or you would know better than I would, but, um, but what about, uh, I mean, there's two questions I have. One is, one is if someone's looking to increase their own testosterone naturally, or for a woman, maybe they're looking, and I don't want to simplify so much because it's so much more complex than me just saying, Oh, testosterone for a man and estrogen for a woman. It's not that there's so many other factors there, especially for women, but I'm just going to make it really simple. If, if someone let's start with a man, cause it's the light switch. It's the easy one. If someone were to make it 
want to naturally increase their testosterone production, what would be maybe three things that they would do to naturally increase their testosterone production if they weren't either at an age or readiness, or maybe they had a risk factor or something they didn't want to, they didn't want to supplement. You know, that's a very interesting question because, you know, I've been dealing with uh, a lot of uh, patients, uh, young men before 30 that Mm. have lower testosterone than men in their fifties. Wow. One, 200, one, 200, 250, you know, and I have some, some guys in their fifties, 700. I have one guy in his 47 that's at 1400, which is crazy. He doesn't, he doesn't supplement with any testosterone. That's just natural. Uh, But it's interesting because he's like, I've always been uh, involved in, in uh, like extreme sports, you know? So it's interesting to kind of see that uh, play out in, you know, in a person's personality and uh, hobbies, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, I have people ask me, you know, that question, like, how can I, you know, actually increase my testosterone? Well, you know, I think, and again, this is just a theory. The reason why these younger men are having such low testosterone is, you know, from, uh, I think diet to some degree, uh, they're not you know, lifting heavy, you know, actually weightlifting, weightlifting obviously helps, especially when you're doing compound movements like squats and deadlifts. You know, that's, that's been uh, shown clinically to, to help increase testosterone, not obviously to optimize it, but at least increase it to, you know, to, to you know, some degree. Um, and, you know, I think unfortunately society as well, where, you know, again, men aren't men anymore, especially in the younger generations. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really playing a major issue, uh, you know, in, you know, those, uh, you know, young men's testosterone levels. Yeah, it's one thing to. I mean, it's amazing to have men who are in touch with their feminine side, but, but to create a a society without men being allowed to really be a man's man. I'm out, I'm in a space right now, which is, you know, in the not remote, remote, but fairly remote North, probably pretty remote for what you would consider. Um, (laughs) You're in in Florida right now. So, um, but but it's interesting because, you know, from a societal standpoint, you do see the difference because people who live here, men and women who live here, there's, there's a different way of life. You, you know, yeah. you, chop your, you cut your firewood, you, uh, you often fish or hunt. And it's, so those are the types of things that are very closer to our, our primal makeup than, yeah. than sitting all day at a computer, which just does not serve our hormonal, uh, natural makeup. Right. So, and then do you have any, any, anything for a woman, what would you say, um, if they were to try and increase it naturally, because women right now, I, I went through a few years of just having a lot of women approach me about different things. And I was I would just keep hearing the same things over and over digestive issues, sleep issues, um, fatigue, you know, just, I was just like, Whoa. And meanwhile, I'm almost 50 and feeling like I'm 20 to 30. And, but I know that what I'm doing is different than what most people do women or men. So is there anything that you notice for women? Well, Again, this is what I call the three pillars of the thought of youth. And again, this actually applies to men and women. Uh, you know, the first pillar is testosterone. And like you mentioned before, men obviously have it at significantly higher levels than women. But a lot of women I see are suboptimal in their testosterone levels. 
And you know that's you know one of the main reasons why they have fatigue as well. You know, again, if their testosterone level are so low, you know, it's not signaling the bone marrow to create the red blood cells and hemoglobin to carry oxygen. If you don't have the oxygen, then you're really not gonna have much energy because 90% of your energy is derived directly from oxygen. So the more oxygen you can carry in your blood, the more energy you have. Sorry. And mitochondria yeah exactly and you know i know uh, women's hormones are a little bit different than men you know it may increase versus decrease but you know their levels change you know from you know when they're younger and and obviously more vibrant and you know more more uh you know more fertile so to speak versus you know when they go into you know postmenopause. and then the second one is human growth hormone you know human growth hormone is obviously what we call you know it's what everyone knows it's found in youth, right it's responsible for helping build muscle helping burn fat. It helps to stimulate collagen reduction in the skin. It helps with sleep, helps with recovery. So then you can actually go harder the next day and recover faster. Um, a lot of people have, you know, suboptimal um, human growth hormone levels. The ability to naturally increase that through, let's say, you know, the utilization of peptides, such as somorolin, ipomorolin, tesamorolin, and, and all the different uh, peptides is, is a great way to, you know, naturally, you know, increase your, you know, your human growth hormone production. And then the third pillar is uh, is NAD. You know, so I'm sure you've you know heard about uh, you know NAD, uh, NAD plus. You know, it's a uh, nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. It's a cofactor in every single you know cell in our body. It's in every living organism. And there's so many amazing health, wellness, anti aging, and longevity benefits from you know its supplementation. Uh, everything from lengthening your telomeres. So you know chronologically, you know you know let's say I'm 42. Biologically, if I lived a really, really good life, I could be, let's say, 36. If I lived a really, really rough life, I could be, let's say, 49. Yeah. And what this does, so you know, by lengthening the telomeres, uh, it allows for additional cell division. So the telomeres are basically the caps on your chromosomes. So uh, you know, the chromosome is like that X, right? So it's got the little cap on, on all four. Or another way to think of it, it's like a shoelace, right? So you got the little plastic or metal uh, caps on the end. So every time your cell divides, it basically shaves off a piece of that cap. And then eventually it shaves all of it and then it unravels. And then that chromosome dies and the cell dies. Mm -hmm. But by allowing, you know, additional, uh, by, by extending the telomere, you allow for additional cell division, which, you know, in turn, you know, leads to longer life. Um, it also helps to boost your metabolism, helps to increase athletic performance, makes mitochondrial function more efficient, reduces inflammation, improves cognitive function, uh, reduces uh, Alzheimer's risk, and, you know, even helps those people that are dealing with substance abuse issues wean off of what are they addicted to. It's awesome. Uh, so, but all three of those decrease as you get older. So as long as you supplement with it, right, and just replace, you know, the, the levels that you had when you were younger, you're going to feel tremendously better. And what are your, there, what are your thoughts on NMM, NMN? Yeah, so uh, I, I get this all the time because, you know, again, Tony talks about NMN, you know, you hear about NR. Uh, so NMN is nicotinamide mononucleotide and NR is nicotinamide riboside. So both of those are precursors to uh, NAD. Mm -hmm. And the theory is by providing your body with the precursors that it's going to convert into NAD. But that's like saying, hey, if I give myself DHEA, it's going to convert to testosterone. Well, mm -hmm. it's not the case. It may or may not. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you have, if you have a, a low level of the raw materials, then obviously it's going to help to some degree. But you know, if you actually look at the you know, NR and NMN route, they took the supplement route. Okay. So here in the United States, you know, under DSHEA, which is the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act, there is no FDA oversight 
over yeah. any supplement whatsoever. As long as you don't claim anything, like you don't say you cure disease, you know, that we absolutely do this, you can say whatever the heck you want. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, literally, like, and there's no third party testing. Yeah. A lot of the times in, uh, with athletes, right? Um, they get popped or get in trouble because they took a supplement that they thought was unadulterated that had actual testosterone in it. And then they lose their livelihood and they get suspended. Well, it's kind of the same thing with the supplements. Yeah. And with NAD, it's it's a prescription only. So, you know, our patients are prescribed it. So, there's so and, yeah. right. You know, and if you want to reach the masses, you go the supplement route. But it doesn't work as well. Yeah. So what we, you know, what we prescribe is the you know actual NAD plus. So, you know, I personally would rather go direct to the source than hope and pray that, you know, if I give something over here, that eventually it's going to come this way. Uh, but, you know, I understand it from a, a marketing perspective, a sales perspective, and just obviously a potential market perspective for them. So they, they can go over, they can go after everyone on the planet. Whereas, you know, we have to be more selective because we actually have to you know, have a relationship with them. We have to have their labs, we have to prescribe it. So, so on and so forth. But yeah, yeah. I, I would any day, any day, NAD plus versus NMN or NR. Well, I'm really glad I asked that because, because people get caught up in, and they think that because there's a label on it and because it's in a bottle that it's, it's going to be okay. And, and we just, I've gone through this for so many years with high performance athletes and just that you, you can't take that because it's not, even if it has an NSA for sports or informed choice sticker on it, it's still not batch tested. So we'd have to get batch tested products that then would be clean. And then to your point about, um, when it's for people to kind of get the idea it's there's certain things that if they supplement with it's not going to help them unless they happen to be low in it so creatine would be one of them if they're low in it it's not going to hurt them to take it but if they're low in it that's when they're going to see the benefits it's one of the more efficacious supplements as well but but to your point on you know someone's taking testosterone and you mentioned just some of the precursors that are happening and it made me think of made me think of, you know, testosterone and dopamine tend to be a little bit linked in terms of how they uh, work with each other. And and I don't understand it fully. That's not my area of expertise. Um, But are there, are there contraindications or, or certain medications that somebody should not have be taking testosterone or maybe estrogen or some sort of combination of hormone therapy if they're on some sort of drug like i'm thinking of something like modafinil or any of the um adhd drugs or you know like are there are there things that they just should steer clear of if they are if there's just a contraindication there well yeah obviously you know if there's a contraindication absolutely and interestingly enough you know you speak about just pharmaceuticals in general so when we uh talked about methylation in the beginning. One of the things that is determined genetically for us is our body's ability to metabolize pharmacokinetics, basically the pharmaceuticals that we ingest. So there's uh, what we call pharmacokinetics and pharmacogenetics that actually determines how well you metabolize specific pharmaceuticals. So for example, uh, I'm working with a couple, uh, he's about maybe like 240 and she's like a buck 10. And, you know, she can take like four Advil and he has a, you know, like a, a half of one and, you know, it works for him. And you would think that's, you know, you know, kind of uh, counterintuitive, but, but because of his genetic makeup, 
you know, his ability to metabolize that ibuprofen is different from hers. So what may work for him uh, may not work for her and vice versa. So, you know, it's amazing where we are in, I guess you can say in, in our times, the ability to just understand so much more about our body, you know, mm-hmm. because we do have, you know, the ability to test and figure it out. Because, you know, our thing is, you know, once you understand the reason why, or once you are educated to what deficiencies you have, you could actually, you know, you know then improve it, right? Because if you don't measure it, you can't improve it. And, you know, that that's what all, you know, the diagnostic testing that we do is about, you know, to be able to understand the deficiencies, to understand what we're working with, with regards to gen- genetically. And from there, then we can make the necessarily, uh, the necessary uh, improvements or adjustments to obviously feel our best. So if, if someone, you know, I'm thinking of you, you have a company that specifically does this, but if someone is, whether they have access to your company or not, what would you recommend everybody to do if they're over 35 and they want to have their optimal performance. They want to feel their best and have optimal health. So they're not willing to compromise their health. They want to feel their best. Is their first step to get their, like a full blood panel? What's their first step to really understand what their body needs? Well, here's the problem. Even if you get a full blood panel, you're not going to understand how to interpret it. That's an issue. And then if you go to your doctor, they're going to say, oh, you're fine. Yeah. So interestingly enough, uh, I'm actually, I've actually developed a, a training course for the lay person. And, you know, right now when we, you know, do our lab reviews with our patients, you know, just their lab, you know, just their blood lab reviews, we spend at least an hour to sometimes 90 minutes explaining each individual biomarker, how it correlates to a a specific function in their body and how they're going to feel when they optimize it. Because our foundational philosophy is education because there is such a disconnect between patient and provider. You know, here in the U.S., they say the average interaction is 16 minutes between patient and provider. I call BS on that. I think it's more like five minutes. And then the doctor goes in the back and does paperwork for the insurance company for 11. Yeah. And you don't know what you're doing. Like, you have no idea. And when you when they go through your labs, it's like, yep, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And even if it's about to fall outside of the clinical reference range, it's like, oh, just come back when it's out. Yeah, because they're looking for the red flags that they need to actually pick up the problems. They're not going right. to anything like if you're actually healthy and you're not going to fall apart then away you go they're not looking for optimal health or optimal performance they're looking for what is there anything here going to fix i need to save your life what what, what can we prescribe yeah basically what can we prescribe to you know to to fix this and you know we, we understood that there was that you know that major disconnect and that's why a lot of people can't take control of their own health and wellness they can't take accountability or responsibility for health and wellness because they have no idea where to start yeah they don't understand the processes that are going in their body. And, you know, I've spent years, you know, trying to figure this out where, you know, we took something extremely complex, you know, let's, you know, obviously the medical jargon, you know, the terminology, and we just tried to simplify it as much as possible so that a five-year-old can even understand it. Yeah. Because then once you actually understand the process that's happening within the body, and then we correlate it to, let's say the specific part of the protocol that's going to address that, now you understand the why. Mm-hmm. So once you understand the why, then you're more apt to follow through because you know one of the things that you hear physicians complain about and providers complain about is is um, patient compliance. Yeah. Will they actually follow through with what you prescribe them? But if they don't understand why they're doing it, you know, unless you know they're just following blindly, 
then you know people are going to have questions. Yeah. Or people are going to have doubts or or concerns, but they may not. It's much easier to have an educated consumer in that sense, so then you know they can understand you know why they're doing it. So is this training course that you've made, is it is it available on your website? Is it ready or where where are you at with it? I'm still I'm still developing it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I've actually finished the, you know, the patient centric report. So if you ever had labs before, it's just basically, you know, your biomarkers, the result, the reference range, and whatever uh, unit it is, right? It's unless you're a medical professional, you have no idea how to interpret that. Yeah. What we can do with those, we can upload it to our platform. And then it'll split up, spit out a very nice, beautiful report that is very visual, uh, red, yellow, green, tell you exactly what you need to work on immediately. And then it also explains, you know, each individual biomarker as well. So, you know, it, it's a reference, uh, you know, for, you know, the, you know, the conversations that we have. So then people actually, like I said, understand it more. Yeah, but uh, hopefully we'll finalize the course by the end of this year. Amazing. Amazing. And, uh, I don't, I want to be sensitive to time here just quick so that people can get a sense because now we have a lot of information and now people are probably wondering about themselves, but what got you into all of this? You've, you've been in a few other companies and you've got family members who are physicians, but you didn't go to school for hormone replacement therapy. You went to school for business and finance and, and how did you end up down this path? Well, interestingly enough, uh, so I'm 6'2", and I'm 196 right now. I used to be this height and about 35 yeah. when I was 13. So literally, you know, if there was a stiff wind, uh, like I'd either freeze to death or blow over. And, you know, I worked at a nutrition store when, when I was a teenager because I wanted to, you know, figure out what I could do to, you know, build muscle, uh, you know, get lean, so on and so forth. So I literally read every page in what was it, Bill Phillips' Body for Life. You know, he was the founder of EAS. So I memorized that, you know, I remember talking about creatine to people that would come in, you know, you know, ATP, blah, 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 you know, and uh, it's just been a lifestyle one. And, yeah. you know, that's kind of where it started. And, you know, through happenstance, you know, I worked in the pharmaceutical drug delivery technology space. So that's why I'm familiar with supplements and, you know, what happens with CGMP manufacturing, you know, I've actually developed a few formulations, uh, you know, myself. And I work, also worked in the cannabis space and also was the uh, chief operating officer of the company that Grant Cardone just purchased. And that's now a 10 Excel system. So uh, yeah, just kind of through, I guess you could say a circuitous route, but it was all, always like a lifestyle and a passion of mine. Yeah. So that's how, uh, you know, I, I always wanted to you know, kind of figure out how to hack my own body. Because, you know, I, I saw people that would be, you know, let's say very muscular and lean and, you know, they would eat whatever they wanted to or, or and, you know, they wouldn't work out much. I'm like, well, how long were they doing that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't until you know, I really started digging in to understand how the body worked because there's, you know, so many things that you can do to really minimize, let's say, the negative impact of, let's say, certain foods. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still I drink multiple times a week, you know, I drink alcohol multiple times a week. I eat desserts, uh, but I just understand how you know, or what I need to do to make sure I don't impact that. And I've only done cardio 10 times in the last year almost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still hover around 10% body fat. Mm-hmm. It's just about understanding, you know, how the body works and, you know, basically cheating, you know, cheating the genome. Yeah. You've dialed in on exactly what your body needs for it to be the way that you want or the way that you feel the best. And, and that's where I feel like I've dialed in too. I know exactly you know, what time I need to eat, whether I put this with that, because you're just paying attention along the way and, and figuring it out. 
And, uh, and it's, it's huge for people to have somebody in their back pocket to help them figure it out for themselves too, when they've kind of been going blindly through life toward their body, but clearly focusing on other things, maybe their family or their career or whatever, but not having that awareness around what their body might need. So, so I think your, your services are really powerful. Um, to wrap up, is there, is there anything that a, a message or anything that you would uh, impart for people that, you know, you, you wish everyone knew, or you wish, um, you wish the 30 year old version of you knew, or you, you know, all these people that you're seeing, you want them to know blank. What would that be? Well, I think you have to be your own advocate in, in your own health and wellness journey. No one's going to do it for you. You know, the experts are there, so to speak. But again, what do they say? The teacher doesn't appear, you know, until the student's ready. So, you know, when, when you're ready, you know, and you start really kind of digging for that information, you're going to find you know, a tre- treasure trove of information nowadays. Back then, it wasn't as readily available, but, but now it is. And you also have to be careful of, you know, where you get that information from as well. You know, what do they talk about? The bro science piece of it, where it's like, oh, you know, just do this and yeah, you'll gain weight or whatever it is. Uh, you know, all the stuff that we do is, is based on, you know, clinical research. So, you know, I, I don't put credence in anything unless it has peer reviewed, you know, studies or it's on NIH or, or whatever it may be. Because yeah. uh, again, there's so many people that, and again, if you research something and you're expecting a particular result, you're going to have confirmation bias no matter what. Yeah. So, you know, it's good to have, um, you know, multiple, you know, points of view and perspectives, you know, when, especially, you know, you're looking at something as important as your health. Yeah. And, and then figuring it out, whether it actually is going to work for you or not, based on how your body responds and how you feel and, and step-by-step. Step. Um, so yeah. that's very powerful. So how can our listeners find you? Uh, are, you've got your, your website, which is uh, www.4bpm.com. Is that correct? That's right. Is there anywhere else that you, uh, they can find you for reaching out? Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn, you know, is, is where I'm at too. So just Ben Lee, B-E-N-L-E-E, 2828 is, is my, uh, my LinkedIn handle. And, you know, I also wanted to, uh, to touch on, remember, we were talking about the charity and it took me a while to figure out, you know, who, who, uh, who I wanted to support here. Uh, so interestingly enough, um, you know, I spoke to, I, I met these two uh, incredible women uh, the other day, and uh, the charity is called um, Elite Funds Freedom, and it's all about educating, uh, you know, and empowering, uh, you know, people to basically uh, prevent sex trafficking and, and human exploitation. And, you know, they actually have a national hotline, uh, and I love the number. It's 888-3737-888. So if you, you know, see anything happening that's not supposed to be happening, you know, call that number, uh, you know, they'll, you know, they'll send somebody to go check out on it or, what, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, obviously uh, to support the group, you know, if you make a donation, let's say, um, you know, you make a donation and uh, keep the receipt, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll match whatever it is in a discount for whatever services that, uh, know that you do through us so that's huge that's huge for the uh the charity and you know obviously uh get get healthy while doing it too that's amazing so we really appreciate that and it's and i really appreciate you drawing attention to that because um it's something that we 
sometimes don't want to look at. So thank you for drawing attention to that and also providing that kind of um, that kind of option for people coming to see you. So uh, yeah, and I think the website is elite. Uh, uh, fundsfreedom.org or dot yeah dot org elite fundsfreedom.org yeah e l i t e f u n d s f r e e d o m dot org beautiful and your website is uh for bpm.com and it's ben lee so thank you so much for sharing your your breadth of knowledge and wisdom with us and your own personal experience as well. I think it really helps answer a lot of things that people want to know that maybe they can't get from their doctor, they're confused by online, and it just gives a little more insight and maybe confidence to make some different decisions for themselves. So thank you so much, Benley, and uh, I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, same here. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoy listening to the Empowered Team podcast, You'll love being on the Empowered Team. The Empowered Team runs year-round. It is our group coaching and accountability program where we take mindset and physical performance concepts and break them down to usable action steps that optimize results. To learn more about our Empowered Leadership Coaching for Business, our custom online physical training plans, and of course, the Empowered Team Group Coaching, head to www.theempowered.ca slash empowered-learn-more. That's www.theempowered.ca slash empowered-learn-more.